0: Hi there, local citizens, welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you from Accra, Ghana. And I am joined by my guest, who is coming to us today from Nairobi, Kenya. He is creative director at Spark Africa Limited, which is a multimedia youth-oriented agency. He is also known as a music blogger and all-around connector to events, music, hip-hop, Africa, diaspora, technology, social networking, fashion, media investment, and progressive politics. Mr. Buddha Blaze, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Asante Sana, as we say in Swahili. I don't know the name to say, but thank you so much. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to be able to discuss. Okay. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. So good to meet you. So let's just dive right in. So tell us more about where you're from, where you are local, and what is your craft?
1: So I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. This is my home. I grew up around the world with diplomatic parents. So, you know, Europe, Middle East, North America, Asia, and around Africa. Mm-hmm. I've always been in love with the music industry. I always thought when I was little, if you see my TED Talk, I always thought I would own a record company and I would live on top of it. That was my dream when I was growing up, going to record stores and just being around the entertainment, especially in Europe. That's when my teens were. I always wanted to bring that home to Africa and see what we could do over here. And that's when I really fell in love with working in the industry. I tried, you know, at the beginning of my career, I was an editor for a magazine called fat magazine, which was really the first East African music and entertainment magazine in the region. So I was the editor of that took me around the whole over Africa, uh, Tanzania, Uganda, Ghana, South Africa, and, you know, the rest of the continent. So Yeah, reporting stories of what's going on, what's happening, going to all the biggest uh, festivals in Africa, going to all the biggest award shows in Africa, and just doing things around the business, you know? And just learning and also contributing where I can, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's how I got in touch with everybody around the continent. And, of course, taking artists from here to Europe, taking artists from, from Ghana to Africa to Kenya or South Africa, and just basically being the link to a lot of the things that were going on across the continent and the diaspora, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. So do you play any instruments?
1: No, I don't, actually. uh, When I was younger, my dad told me to take guitar classes, but, you know, I, I couldn't concentrate so yeah but i love i love every instrument you know i don't play any instruments okay. i've DJed a bit but i'm mostly behind the scenes guy i'm the i'm the connector i, I put all the things together ah, you know okay, you me, okay. You're you're the yeah Sorry. you want to put together a festival you call me you want to put together a youth campaign that became my my part that i played yeah it's not too many okay it's not too many definitions of what i do so i play different capacities so i call myself a consultant so sometimes i might be the music collector i might be the talent manager i might be the creator of whatever it is that we're putting together or the corporations uh call me and they say hey we got this problem how can we solve it and i lead them towards okay cool this is what you need to do and let's package it like this no they're not feeling that let's do it like this and and that's what i've become kind of uh um, it's hard to kind of get the the name so sometimes i'm a booker You know, so you see Burnable in Ethiopia, I probably booked him for that show. Or you see somebody in Zambia, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of hard. For different capacities, I've been a consultant. Sometimes I've been the youth program manager. Or sometimes I've been the entertainment manager. Or sometimes I've been just the manager, you know. So Mm -hmm.
0: So you talked a little bit about how you started or where you started with, you know, working with the magazine, tell us a little bit more about, you know, so I'm assuming you went to university somewhere in that mix and you, and that, was that in Kenya? Was that somewhere else? So tell us more about like the steps that you took and things about your personality that put you in a position to be the connector that you are.
1: Okay. So even just growing up, I was a great writer. I loved writing. I love magazines. I loved, you know, just being in touch and being around the culture. So even when I went to school, I remember that time, my father was a diplomat out in India, New Delhi. Time. So I went to American schools most of my life, but you know, it's diplomatic life. You always go where your parents go. So if your parents yes. are posted for two years here, that's where you're going to be, you know? Right. So I found myself out in Asia, still doing what I do at that time. Hip-hop, it becomes part of my life. I wanted to write so bad that, you know, I studied business just to protect myself as like, okay, you need a business degree. So it's good to have that as a foundation because mm-hmm. you're going into uh, an industry that's lots of unknowns. You don't know without out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So studied business, but I found myself back, you know, just back, circling back because I was a great writer. Actually, when I moved back to Kenya, I found a magazine. I found a bunch of people trying to put together a magazine, but they didn't know how to, to report about the streets. So I showed them how to move. They were just, you know, suits and you know, yeah, we got to put this magazine together. But I'm like, how are you going to do it if you don't understand what's really happening on the culture, on the streets? So I led them there. Having a business knowledge and also having the love for the industry, I became the center point in which people wanted to speak to artists. They come to me. I don't know how to speak to the artists. Uh, I'm like, cool. They know me because they see me all the time around the vibes. They're going to talk to me. And I got to say, I moved back to Kenya after gallivanting around the world with my parents at around the year 2000 at that time, there was really not much going on. I mean, there was a bit of a scene, but it wasn't really being taken seriously. So I put my writing skills, I scored A's in English all my life, you know, so I've always been a great orator and writer. So I was mm-hmm. like, "Cool, oh, you guys are talented. You guys are, you have skills in rapping or singing or whatever. But the only thing you don't have is how to create your brand, having a marketing background and also being a good writer and being organized, I started putting together all the bios for a lot of Kenyan artists, so all the big Kenyan artists that you see now, one way or another, I've had a hand in putting their package together and building them into brand. Cause at the time they were just like, Oh yeah, I'm a rapper. or I'm a singer, but I'm like, where's your brand? You got to create your brand because the people that, would be giving you money don't want to just deal with an artist. They want to deal with some sort of like entity, some sort of like, who are you? Like, what's your background? What's your bio? They didn't have nothing. Right. So I put their bios together just out of enthusiasm and and just being having been around the industry and having seen many, like I went to many concerts when I lived in Europe. And, you know, because we lived in Belgium, I could go to Amsterdam easy. I could go to Berlin easy. So I went to all the festivals and sometimes I even volunteered at these festivals. Being young and being in the diplomatic circles, that wasn't really hard to do. So moving back to Africa and seeing what was really popping, I wasn't even moving back. I was passing through because, you know, I had to do some stuff for my family. But then I was like, wow, there's a scene growing here and I need to be part of this we could take this to the next level because there's things that they were doing that were not necessarily how it should be done. So starting putting together bios, even just getting them respect. Remember back in the days, they just be like, "Ah, these are just artists. What do they Mm -hmm. need? Why do we need all these things? We're like, no, it's a business. You got to put together contracts. You got to have an email. You got to have a bank account. You got to have all these things put together so that you can start getting the respect that you need to really earn a career out of this. And I remember one time, even just like as I was seeing the scene and I could rap a little bit, this one rap group that was growing in Kenya was like, yo, why don't we go on tour with us? You're a good hype man. You can hype us, you know? My Sohili was really flat at the time. It wasn't really good because I just moved back. I was like, cool, I'll hype you. But then even when we went on tour, we went to this one town called Mombasa, which is kind of like Accra and, say, Gold Coast or leaving Accra and going to Kumasi or somewhere, you know? So we're going to the beach. We get there, there was really nothing organized. Like the person who had invited them didn't have anywhere for them to sleep. I was like, come on, man. This is not how I wanna get into industry, but this is not how I would like when I enter. So I took a back seat. I went in and talked to the guys, like, yo, you invited these guys here, but you're not even talking to them. You're sitting over here being a big man. What's up? When did we need this? We need this. They were like, Okay, who is this guy? And then we're just like, that's the guy you need to talk to if you've gone on tour and you want to get your respect. But I just came from a background of more corporate or more like, if you invited this guy to perform, these are the things that need to be put in place. And then yeah. we started organizing, then people started earning more respect. And then before that, when we came back to Nairobi, everybody's like, that's the guy you need to talk to if you need respect. And then we just started building, again, a list of clienteles that we can actually talk to or build as a brand you know so it came from the artists but also building relationships with like you know beer companies soda companies telcos and all the big companies that were spending money around music or wanted to spend money around music but they were looking at this as a very informal sector so from there we officialized the industry build the first company you know out of we went from running a magazine called fat magazine phat which stands for Amoja hip africa to nowakilisha which basically translates together africa we represent nice it was a big magazine early 2000s it was like covered everybody and from there now the companies are like oh we have people we could deal with instead of dealing with the talent which is usually they're late they're never on mm-hmm. time. They never They never keep time. They never, if they say, cool, Florence, I'm going to meet you at one o'clock on this day. You waited half an hour. They're not there. So they're like, let's deal with people that can actually keep time, keep calendars. So that's when we started managing artists. So they would say, hey, we don't want to deal with the artists. We'll deal with you. <laughs> we'll deal with you. Yeah. Make sure you deliver them. We'll put a service charge at 20% for you. on the invoice right. for you guys. But you making our lives so much easier because we don't want to deal with these guys directly.
0: Nice, nice. nice.
1: Corporate background, also having a street background, kind of help shape. They like, mm-hmm. rather deal with people that understand you guys, but also understand our timelines and how we work.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who were some of the Kenyan artists that you dealt with back in the day? That just for my audience who may not know so much about Kenyan music. So, who yeah. are some of if the you, artists?
1: We you know people like Nameless, who comes to Ghana a lot. Actually, he was at the Ghana Music Awards a few years ago. I remember bumping into him when I was over there. Nameless quite known. Uh, people like Sauti Soul mm-hmm. who are kind of riding high right now in Kenya. Calligraph Jones, who just did a song with the uh, big Ghanaian rapper, Sakodir, of course, we kind of procured okay. that. Uh-huh. Just many artists, you know, just kind of like a slew of them that are actually Necessary Noise, Nazizi. K-South, which is one of the biggest rappers in Kenya for like a long time. Yeah, that, okay. those kind of artists, okay. yeah.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Interesting. So... When you started when you were I mean, because it sounds like you did a lot of the A and r function and yes. and so how did you get in knowing that you didn't grow up in Kenya? For the most part, yeah. How did you get your street cred? Because you said you know you went to American schools and you were kind of an outsider. How did you get that inside?
1: So it was just that interest. They're like, why is this guy who should be somewhere else so interested in our stuff? So I, you know, just you know, been to Brooklyn. You know, in Brooklyn, you go to the street parks and watch all the rappers rapping, and just that interest and the fact that I was Dude. reporting back. I was writing for global websites. I used to write for a Dutch website. I used to write for a Belgian website. So at that time, was it, the internet was just you know, booming. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. like, wow, who's this guy? This guy put me on the map. So the fact that I was there reporting with my backpack and I was just like, mm-hmm. I was just like, cool. I whether I like it or not, these are my streets. I have to know mm-hmm. these to understand the value of this country and the pulse of this country. So I just went down and just started really finding out where all the all the cool music events were happening who's doing what, mm-hmm. what little festivals are coming out. And we'll just go there and report and amplify. So even the festival's like, wow, thank you for writing about us. And now we're known, you know, or now we're out there in the, in the in the light. And that's the position I played as a journalist, as a reporter, to start giving the industry a bit more credibility, you know? So that now people start saying, okay, that's an entity, or that festival is something that we can work with. How can we make your, your festival better and support it better and that kind of thing? But that's how I made my credibility with people like, oh, just give it to him. he He knows how to move in the circles, yeah,
0: yeah. that says a lot about, you know, we often unfortunately rely on others telling our stories for us. And so the idea that you are that storyteller and you have created the industry around the stories that you have crafted is what why I'm so attracted to you being a guest here, of course, because you are that kind of local local presence. Since we're talking about street cred and a little bit of on the ground speak, I want to ask you my local speak question. <laughs> so we want to know what you hear. So this is where I ask my guests to share a word, phrase, or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as a local speak.
1: So there's different words. I'll give you a Swahili street word called omoka. Yeah. Omoka. Omoka. That's M O K A, which is kind of like what the word that young people say. Nime omoka. Oh, okay. Yo, no, I'm making it. Like I'm moving. Like I'm. Like yo, I'm. I'm not over there where you guys are now. Like I'm making moves. I'm doing this. I'm doing videos. I'm busy. Like I'm. I'm waking up every day, and my career is giving me things to do. Like, you know, if I'm not at this press conference, I'm at this shoot. I am if I'm not at this shoot, I'm on my video shoot. If I'm not at this video shoot, I'm I'm working on my next album. Omocha means I've seen the light. Like, yo, the light's opened up for me. Now I'm I'm moving towards being able to achieve my dreams.
0: Nice. I like that. I like that. That kind of is a great takeaway into my, specifically my why the where question. So you mentioned, you you know, you went through... And you thought you were passing through, yep. but you ended up staying. So this is where I asked my why the where question. So how did you come to be living, working and playing where you live? And not necessarily just Nairobi as a city, because I want to get a sense of where in Nairobi you are, because, you know, we want to show people, the listeners, what Nairobi, the textures of Nairobi life are. So tell us more about your why the where
1: yeah so Nairobi's made up like of different boroughs just like new york you know there's the kilimanis the dandoras this is you know there's the towns near not not towns i would say townships or kind of neighborhoods near industrial area which kind of usually more polluted more dirty and then you have like, the green suburbs which are like all the rich people nairobi is a very expat type city where there's a the, the united nations is here so you could move here and still fit in because there's so many Ghanaians here. and There's so many people from different countries. There's African-Americans here. There's, you know, there's a communities of every little patch. It's a bustling city, capital of East Africa. A lot of things haven't been done. There's also a lot of uh, political issues from, you know, from the past. Not anything like war, but... You know skirmishes so there's always this like indifference between what people are thinking and where they're going it's i would say it's a country that's being pulled in different directions so very progressive middle class very business-minded what you call it a uh, business-minded uh, group of people there's a lot of business here there's a lot of uh fast-moving goods A big here you know we are like mm-hmm. five hours away to cairo five hours away to ghana five hours away to johannesburg five hours away to india five maybe eight hours away to china 16 hours direct flight to New York. So we kind of like the center of all these shifting things. So very influenced by different things. You know, we're influenced by local culture, which is local, and then we are influenced by many other different things. I would say Nairobi is a kind of place where you could go from eating caviar on a rooftop at a five-star hotel, and downstairs, you could be eating fish and ugali, which is like the local food that we eat over here. I mean, it's, it's a mixture of everything, you know? So you have to fit in where you fit in. And for me, my personality was just like, wow, I want to be in a creative area. So where I live is a place called Kilimani, which is kind of like half and half. So you can walk to your cafes, your supermarkets, but you can also walk into an art gallery. And enjoy that in the same day and walk to the market, but still kind of enjoy semblance of like a global vibe. Like, you know, you go down and get a cup of coffee and a bagel and you could street go down and and get, you know, plantains and bananas. And, you know, so it's kind of like a mixture of both. A lot of creatives live in this area. And whenever we visit, I've had people like Mensa and One Love come out here, Kubolo, and they'd be walking down the street and people like, wow, look at that dude. And it's not as strange as if they were somewhere else, you know. So Kelima yeah. is kind of like the the creative capital of Nairobi. Actually, uh, we, had a, we had a lady out here, what was her name? She's Ghanaian, but she passed through here. She's actually really opened up a lot, opened up for a lot of African artists who want to go and do residencies in other countries. What's her name? Let me get her name. She's in New York now. She does like tribal music, and I think I've seen her in Brooklyn a few times. What's her name? I'm trying to get her name.
0: She's a musician.
1: Yeah, she's dope. Like, she's the epitome of, like, one of those artists that, that um, I just... She played. I
0: think I know who you're speaking of.
1: The last time I saw her was in New York, and I also saw her in South Africa at uh, Afropunk. She was one of the first artists to be at Afropunk in uh-huh. Johannesburg. I'm just trying to get her name real quick. So it's kind of like that mixture of, like, tradition, modern, but at the same time, African at the same time. So you have that kind of mixture in Kilimani, yeah.
0: I definitely know who you're talking about. She's based in Europe, I believe. Yes.
1: She's based in Europe. Mm -hmm. Really, very strong heart. She came out here and lived here for at least a year. This was her base, you know? And she killed it. Jojo Abbott is her name.
0: Yes, exactly. That's exactly We love her in
1: Kenya. We love her. Like, she she stayed here for a few years. She's amazing. Like, she's done what African artists need to do. Like, pack, go to Ghana, chill over there for a week, a month, and see what you Mm -hmm. can get over there. Uh, or go to whatever. Collaborations okay. With other artists. She found this place called the African, the Kenyan creative garage. And they just kind of hosted her and she did mad different shows and working yeah. like, audio visual type of presentations and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of artists doing that artists from Sudan, Somalia, as we speak right now, we have like, we hosting a big, a big group of, from LA and they're coming with other people and they're coming with other artists that are going to be other bigger artists. And they're going to announce very soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So speaking about the music scene in Africa, you know, we just had the Grammys, Burna Boy, you know, cleaned up on the world music side. Who is leading the music creation and creativity space across Africa? Or if we were to look at it regionally, you tell me which is probably the best way to look at it, but who is leading?
1: Well, at the moment, obviously, it's where the population is. So Nigeria, West Africa is definitely doing their thing you know i mean burner boy congratulations to him and winning that grammy it was about time it was coming definitely because of like you know just where he's placed himself politically and where he's placed himself you know sonically and what people are hearing and and he's just been really consistent but because he also he always came in with a hunger i was booking burner boy before anybody knew what Burner boy was when he was just kind of rising so I have a great mm-hmm. relationship with his mom. And yeah, so I mean, big up to West Africa. I mean, you guys are definitely out there like making the noise that's necessary. And, you know, a big part of our history and heritage really is represented out there in West Africa, Nigeria, to be exact. And Ghana, of course, Ghana's is doing great things. And, you know, you know sometimes Ghana gets lost in the conversation because of your numbers but really Ghana I mean a lot of the music that even these Nigerian artists are doing really if you look at the historical traction it really came from highlights in Ghana and what you know what Ghana represents the only thing that doesn't work for Ghana is like because of your numbers you're a lot more slower so the voice is a lot more muzzled in and, and disappeared mm-hmm. Kenya too has been on that forefront I remember being in in Nigeria, early two thousands, and these artists were like, "Man, Kenya, we're looking up to you guys." So it's it's kind of like a mixture of everything. They are taking from here, taking from here, and kind yeah. of moving, moving, with it. South Africa, obviously, is a great is a great place for the arts. They really support the arts, and if you look at the sounds. The sounds are all mixing now. You know, the sound. I did a big campaign called uh, Coke Studio Africa. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I haven't.
0: Tell yeah, us. We, tell us about yeah. it.
1: So we put Coca-Cola. Uh, you know, I hate corporations, but that's what corporations do. They latch on to whatever is popping and whatever is new and whatever is to sell their products. And hey, we don't mind that as long as they're spending money on the artists and they're growing the arts. I think we're still at a level where we need them to a level where we can have artists that are as big as Fela who don't need these corporations and says, Hey, man, I'm gonna do one show a week and people will fly in from all over the world and come watch me, and I'll I'll make the same amount of money that to sustain my family or sustain my career than I need from corporations. So at the moment, because we're so young and we're still nurturing, I feel like we're going to be in that phase for another maybe 10, 20 years before people can now become, you know, like, why does Burner Boy need a Grammy to validate himself? Why do we need all these Western companies to validate us? We could say, cool, I'm making enough money in Africa and I don't necessarily need to be associated with, any of these companies you know but that's a conversation for the future i don't think that it's a lot of these artists can can afford to actually talk like that because they still need you know the streams are still low we're going into the streaming world now and african streams are still kind of not being respected yet as you see people companies like spotify and audio mac are just entering the african market because they haven't been able to figure out we're very informal i mean if you look at you know, you always use Nigeria for an example. Like, yeah, Nigeria, yes, the the scene is bubbling, but is the business bubbling? The business is not bubbling. It's kind right. of in there, you know, it's a hit or miss. It's never, it's not structured. You can't tell me that in if Whiskey decides to retire right now, is he going to be making money for the rest of his life? Is our copyright laws strong enough? Is You know, is trademarking, is it strong enough? Have we reached a level where if they stop singing right now, will they have... A normal life and continue living a superstar life, and the answer is no, because we're not there. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of problems we're grappling with. Yeah,
0: right, right, yeah. right. And I guess that's across the board in industry, right? Because yeah. where Africa is struggling is ultimately with poverty.
1: Yeah, there you go. So we still,
0: yeah. we are still in the place where m- most countries in Africa are low to middle income countries and more or less are low-income countries and so as technology moves the adoption is kind of there but you know we want to be competitive on the global scene and we want to create these industries that you know everyone sees celebrity and wants celebrity and wants to be you know famous and all yeah. these things but i think you make a great point that most of our artists won't can't retire now yeah they are not going to be billionaires or they may but not on the the skin of African support. So it does require this global piece. So in terms of how to build interest, build usage, build build users, build an audience, what are some of your thoughts on how how to get to those grassroots? How does your industry potentially start to address poverty in that sense and development and economic development?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we do is we try to empower a lot of the artists. Well, me personally, I try to empower some of the artists that I work with so, for example, I was telling you, even when we started out, artists didn't even have bank accounts. That didn't have, so I was like, if you don't have a bank account, how are they going to pay you? Not everybody's going to give you cash. Somebody might write mm-hmm. you a check. Somebody might transfer their money. You need to open a bank account. You need to understand how the physical world works and how, yeah. you know what I mean? You need to understand it. So, so we've been able to take some people out of poverty or some people that were either talented but come from slums. We've been able to give them some sort of like, Understanding of the world, and for example, if I, uh, I'm working with a German institute and they're like, Cool, we're doing a concert in Germany, I'm like, Yo, you need to know how to get your passport, you need to know how to what kind mm-hmm. of stuff you say when you're going to get visas, what kind of you know, you need to kind of remain in this creative but understanding that you're a business entity rather than just being just you're famous but you got nothing to count on for, you know, sure. So, we've been. Sure. I've been working with different agencies. I've worked with the British council. I've worked with the USAID and we always trying to like, you know, encourage them to look at themselves as creators of jobs in their communities and being bosses in their own right, you know, rather than just mm-hmm. going famous and just like, just what else is going on? How are you handling this? Get a manager, mm-hmm. get, get an agent, or get, you know, just teaching them all these different ropes on how to get up the ladder in the industry.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that's great.
1: Food. I mean, would give them tools. Like, even when I bring a celebrity to Kenya, let's say I brought Most Deaf to Nairobi, right? Mm -hmm. I always say, my shows that I pay for, I'm doing myself, I might get sponsors for, I need you to stay here for one more day so, the young artists can ask you questions, or we'll put you in a, in a center where you can have a talk back. That's what we call them, artist talkbacks. You know, so, you know, Talib Kwali, most Def, Eric Kabadu. When I bring these artists, I'm like, can you stay one more day and just do this? It really encourages the artists and gives them more understanding how the business works. So, they tell them, listen, you guys might be looking up to New York, but New York's just like here. We had to go through these things to become, yes, we live in a country that everything is overly promoted, but we all come from neighborhoods just like these and 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 we had to do these things to survive and five years later i meet a girl who's like i was at that talk and i'm so inspired look at what i've done i've built my shop and i'm i was trying to do music but i found out my maybe music is not my calling but now i went into arts and crafts and i got my own little shop i'm so happy to see you can you come visit my shop again i'm like that makes me feel like wow it did work because it's not just say oh you must be artists you must study and educate yourself around the industry that you're going into. So maybe you can find out, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'm an artist, or maybe I need to be a writer, or maybe I need to be, and the industry is changing now. So there's just different jobs in the industry that you can get without necessarily being an artist. You could be a writer, right. you could be a curator, yes. you could you know, you know, could do art galleries, and, and now it's building, you know?
0: Yes, so Those yeah, I
1: love that. Show me that we're doing it on the right path. And it's not just mm-hmm. about blitz and entertainment and all that. It's like, OK, cool, we could do all that. But how do we give back to the communities? How do we how do we give a lending hand to some of the artists that, that are struggling and pull them up and give them some tools to create their own names and their own paths? hmm
0: mm-hmm. I like that. That's great to hear. So that yeah, that's exactly the kind of reach in grassroots that I hope. To see spread, you know, throughout Africa, throughout, you know, these individual markets so that we can start to uplift the supporters who can then be the streamers who are, you know, downloading all this content because, you know, without being able to perform, I think the industry is truly going through a transition, right? Because we're seeing that, you know, most African artists were making most of their money by performing. Yes. And now we have not had, you know, the world has been on lockdown. So how are they pivoting? How are they now making money? Um, What are your thoughts or what have you seen in terms of the pivots that have been, I want to say clever, just the smart pivots that you've seen with some of the artists in Africa?
1: Yeah, we're lucky that in Kenya, internet penetration is pretty high. So there's a lot of people on YouTube. There's a lot of people on. So some of the big artists have really transitioned from just performing at festivals and gigs to now taking their performances online and partnering with telcos, partnering with drink companies, partnering with, you know, even online shops and being able to make their concerts. You know, online one of the biggest arguments is like, are you really big or you just have the perception of being big? Because you could be making mm-hmm. a lot of noise around you, but can you pull whether it's a thousand or five thousand people to buy your tickets and watch online? That's where it's going now. You know, mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. artists have been able to do it. Some artists, you know, the soulty souls, Nashinskys, the you know the calligraphs—they've been able to do that. And it's really just also teaching the young younger artists or the upcoming artists how to move in those corridors of can I. Do a gig online and pull a crowd. So it's all about mm-hmm. engagement online. Are you just online posting pictures on Instagram, or are you engaging in conversations and engaging in things that actually lead Africa out of poverty and enabling other people to to also follow the path that you've been given? You know, we were all given a path, so it's good we pull other people out of the gutter and place them in places of uh, enlightenment and you know wealth and and being able to to have a career yeah Mm -hmm. I'm a link between I link between the companies you know so I'm working with Hennessy I'm working with Coca-Cola I'm working uh the thing that I was telling you we were launching we're actually launching um an online platform for one of the biggest telcos here called Safaricom which is kind of like a Vodacom so they're going into the content creation bag which is pretty much videos because people listen to ringtones and they listen music they download music but now they're saying cool let's do video because even them they're looking at it like wow we've made enough money from phone calls and credit, what they Mm -hmm. call it, you know, and units. Mm -hmm. But now it's the content game. They're looking at all these influencers on Instagram doing all this stuff for free. And they're like, why are you giving Instagram content for free when they don't even pay you? Why are you giving YouTube content for free when the CPMs are so low? So they've basically built a new platform, which I'll show you. It's Mm. going to be on the phone. This phone company has 29 million Kenyan users. YouTube is still very bougie. YouTube like yeah we'll have yeah. to get onto a website and it's not really curated properly you can put in uh let's say who's the biggest Ghanaian singer you could put in I'm looking for Effia let's say I'm looking for Effia right I'll play mm-hmm. a song and then like right after that it's showing me Jennifer Lopez or whatever it's like so it's like when are we ever going to build our own platforms that Focus on our people and pay our people the right way. Rather than waiting for them to dictate how much they pay us, we can dictate how much we pay our artists. So That's the mm-hmm. platform that I was launching last week. When my, when my, and I'll, I'll share with you the, the site so you can go actually see there. And, and what, some of the meetings that I'm having, even as my phone rings, people calling me and saying, "Hey, how do I get on this platform? This platform is hot. How do we make this?" So mm-hmm. We always kind of like be ahead of the game. So I've always been like, by the time anybody's thinking about something, we've already done it. <laughs> By the time right. we, we can see the universals trying to set up shop and they come in, but they don't really understand how to work over here because they haven't been here. So they bring their little white girls from like, I don't know where, whatever. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is Nigeria. How are you going to penetrate into how are you going to get all these people to listen to Mr. Easy's song or whoever song that came out? How are you going to get all these people on this platform? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of that is that they all still think of Africa as Africa. Yeah. Right. Haven't even necessarily recognized that, you know, Kenya is slightly different than Tanzania, slightly different than Rwanda and slightly different than Ghana and and Nigeria and South Africa. So I think you're to your point and I'm excited about this platform. When we build our own, we build it for us.
1: Yeah. We
0: we need to be moving. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then we could dictate what we want to put on there, how we want to put Mm -hmm. on there and how much money. Because we can have a meeting. I can't call a meeting with YouTube tomorrow. Be like, who are these people but i can call yeah. a meeting with Safaricom tomorrow and they'll be like yeah we want to meet you guys we want to do a workshop and how can we help because we have mm-hmm. money we have the muscle. so you guys want some of this money we can help you because everything is going towards telco now you know telcos kind of yes. hold i don't know about Ghana, but telcos here hold because everybody got a telephone and one of the reasons why mobile phone penetration is big in africa is just because of need you know our governments yes. they, they didn't put the phone boots on the streets like we have in New York or London. They didn't have the phones. Like, it was crazy to just even get a phone in your house. So mm-hmm. when the mobile phone came. It just blew up. Like, you can find from a policeman to, like, Mama Mboga. Mama Mboga is the the, the woman who sells vegetables on the street. She has a cell phone. So she, now mm-hmm. she has access to information and she can check on her kids at school and she doesn't have to drive miles to talk to her kids. And she can, if she's a little bit more tech savvy, she can call her on WhatsApp and or whatever on her phone and talk to her kid instead of actually physically having to go there. You know how congested our cities are. Even exactly. just from one corner of the, of the city to the other, it's just like hectic, you know, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that changes everything. And once you start putting everything on there, including content, now you have like the television on your phone.
0: Right, yeah. right, right, right. And that's what, so I too have found that the telcos are leading in music. So they are the biggest platform for, you know, bringing new artists in, you know, with their different kind of media. And I think here in this region, it's been TV to phone, but now we're seeing we don't need the TV intermediary, right? So yeah. they can just create their own platforms. And I think you're, that's, there's definitely big,
1: big I mean, things that's, to come. That's what there. we've been doing yeah. and that's what we're setting up because just to stay ahead of the curve because Africa's growing, you know, as much as, there's political problems, the population is growing. The population is looking up to the West and seeing what are the people doing over there. But it's better to come in now and say, cool, you guys are going to feed on your own content so that when your content yeah. blows up, you blow up with, with the content. So sometimes we have yeah. artists who are living an imaginary life. It's like, okay, cool. So you have Whiskey or whatever, and you guys are doing big things and or supposedly doing big things in London and New York. But how are you raising your, your country? Why, why am I still seeing with all this money, why, why do I have to still see all these crazy things that are going on in Nigeria? When do you guys become the voice where you link entertainment with government and policy to change policy so that we don't have the same kind of governments that have been going on in Africa for the longest time? So when do you mm-hmm. guys get in that position where you can bring other people on and, and start not necessarily civilizing because we already a civilized people, but when do we now start becoming a better continent for ourselves first, not even for other people? When do we start Uh defining who we are as Africans and saying, this is the kind of Africa I want to live in? Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. And I think music has a great, you know, it's a wonderful platform, particularly for the youth. So I I definitely appreciate the work you do with being a youth facing platform and bringing artists to the front. So I want to ask you my mindset hack question. So we talked a little bit about mindset. How do we start to think, you know, for Africans first? And so this is where I ask, what is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack? This is one that you can imagine or one that you know of.
1: My mindset hack is really like it's always nothing is impossible, you know? Mm. You know, moving back here, people are like, oh, you're never going to, no, nah, I don't think Kenyans are like that. No, no, we don't, no, we don't. It's like all these things that we're doing, we were told it can never happen.
0: Mm. They
1: were like, no, nah, that would never happen. Oh, that would, no, nah, that's going to be so hard. We're like, no, nah, we'll do it. We'll make it happen. It will take a few yeah. years, but it will happen. And I come back and right. see, see what I was telling you? That's that. Yeah. That's how <laughs> actually, I've been able to silence a lot of people that were either just not, you know, there was a sudden thing, ah, that doesn't happen in Africa. Oh, that won't happen. You know, the festival scene. When we started the festival scene here, people were like, oh, you know, all these white people and their dogs. And mm, Africans don't like that. And all the festival packed with Africans. You know, <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah. all of these people that haven't seen or haven't been in those situations. So they just think, oh, this is not going to work over here. But before you know what, now everybody's trying to be there. Oh, this, you know, the tech world, everybody was like, nah, we'll never get on to that level of like online. I'm like, okay, so now it's happening. So you're the one that's late. <laughs> right. You're the one right. that's late, you know? We're right. moving on because we already premeditated this.
0: Yeah. 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 So when you say we, how did you put your team together? Like how do you find people that are like minded and what are some of the criteria that you have in terms of like people that are close? and have close working relationships with you?
1: Well, you know, it's just really, as you do things, you learn. You're going to find people Mm -hmm. that are just trying to jump on the bad wagon to just be because it's cool. And you're going to find real people that actually want to do this. We've had, you know, over my years of experience, I've seen people come and go. But the true Mm -hmm. ones, we stay. The true ones continue because they have to be inspired. They have to be, they can't be relying on you. They have to be like people that are going to get things done regardless of whether a helping hand or not, no hand at all. So mm-hmm. the way I choose people is like, are you naturally motivated? Are you in this to change our continent or are you just in this for the money? Yeah, money will be made but are you in this to do this? Like, are you you're going to flake around the way? Because it will test you. The business will test you. There's lots of ups and downs. There's dry months. There's months with mm-hmm. lots of work. So can you handle both sides of that spectrum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Right. So in it, not just to win it, but to make it.
1: Yeah. And keep like, so if, you were, if you were not working with me, would you still be doing what it is that you're telling me that you will be doing? If you right. were not working with me, because I now I have a platform and you're attracted to my platform. Because, you know, we do a lot mm-hmm. of, we do music expos, we do a lot of talks and, you know, our, our stuff sometimes comes off as like, oh, boom, that thing the Blaze is doing is being supported by so-and-so and this companies. Are you there for the glitz or are you there to do the work? And if mm-hmm. it wasn't for the glitz, would you still be doing the work? That's how I mm-hmm. test my people. Like, Are you here for the glitz or are you here for the pain and the smile season? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so tell us, <clears throat> you worked on so many different projects over the years and different artists. Tell us, what was one of your most memorable experiences putting together a project? You know, whether it's a festival or it's a concert, tell us one of your most memorable
1: Experiences. One of my most memorable experiences when I worked in Coke Studio Africa. Mm-hmm. So this is a television show where Coca Cola is one of the biggest companies out here. Told me, mm-hmm. Blaze, we got to put together this um, campaign for like three years, which is bringing African mm-hmm. artists from all over the continent, where Coca Cola is based, and those countries are kind of contributing to the growth of Coca Cola in Africa. Nairobi was the base. I was the artist manager, so I booked everybody from to Salif Keita to basically, I mean, I was the point of, boom, you made me, like, you know, that was one of my most memorable. I mean, we went, I went over like 2000 artists. So we'd do, like every week would have a different artist in town, would have an artist from okay. Mozambique, from South Africa, from, you know, from Tanzania. And I was hosting them in my town. And during that week, as much as they were doing Coke studio work, they're also doing collabs, learning about the country. So for me, my insight, at the time, I think it was like 2006, my insight when we said, what are we tackling? Because they send us to Pakistan. They send us to India. They send us to Middle East where they had already done Coke Studio. So Coke Studio was mm. the thing where artists come together and just play music together. But it's recorded and kind of, you got to create some sort of like record to be able to either put on a platform or sell it, you know? And mm-hmm. just seeing all these artists learning about different countries and uh, pick up artists from the airport and, and you know, I'm talking about African artists. They'll be like, oh, we didn't think there was a mall in kenya all right i don't understand like what you really they just never heard they just stuck in their little zones and one of my yeah. biggest things even growing up is no knowing, knowing how africans didn't know much about their own continent and don't no yes. wrong i didn't know about my own continent so one of my sure. biggest dreams especially when i was overseas and people were like how is africa i'm like uh, i'm actually from kenya i don't know
0: that
1: <laughs> my, I felt so embarrassed. One of my biggest drives was like, yo, I'm a pan-Africanist because I went to school with Ghanaians. I went to school with Nigerians. I went to school with them from different places. I went to school with black people from different parts of the United States or England. So for me, uh-huh. even just being that black kid that was like the five black kids in the class, it drew me closer to them and finding out mm-hmm. we'd go to their houses, we'd, we'd mm-hmm. eat foods that we didn't eat as Kenyans, we would eat them and this other. So I learned from a young age how to be a pan africanist My best friend would be Ghanaian. It would be, it was never really like I was put in a pigeonhole where it's like, yo, I got to be just with Kenyans. So by the time I even moved back to Kenya, I knew more about Ghanaians than I knew more, but I had never been. So my biggest drive was like, how do I get in a position or industry that's going to take me to all these countries? Because I love Africa mm. and I want to learn about. It. And, you know, years of like going to South Africa, Swaziland, Botswana, Know, just learning all these countries and learning their art and doing the same thing I was doing in Kenya, but doing it in all these different countries and coming to Ghana and hanging out with One Love Kubolo and you know Blaze and you know Kwame Furchi and all those guys, you know, and just like wow, this is a scene out here, you know, and going to the Ghana Music Awards and 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 actually came to Ghana to put together something for the British Council called WAPI W A P I.
0: Oh, okay, yeah,
1: at the British Council. So spent some time over there and just got to see how. Things were going over there, you know, and doing the same project in, like, maybe seven other different countries. That was like, wow, this is it. This is the continent. So for the most part, I was only in Nairobi for, like, maybe three months of the year. But I'm all over the,
0: Wow.
1: New York, York, London, back to Ghana, South Africa, spent lots of time there and just, you know, contributing what we contribute, you know.
0: Sure. Sure. I love that music is such a connector in that way. Like you can truly see the world in that sector. So we're getting to the end of our conversation. This has been wonderful, but I have one question I'd like to ask to learn a little bit more about not necessarily the work, but a little bit more about you. So would you call yourself, or describe yourself as a listener, a reader, or a watcher? Can I choose two? Yes. 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 Because I want to ask you. So of the two, what are you? So tell us what the two are.
1: A watcher.
0: Okay. So you're a watcher. So what are you watching these days?
1: Oh, you mean like watching on the tube or what do you, what do you.
0: Anything. What are you watching? I, what do you see I, that I like, what makes
1: your. When I say watch, it's like a lot of people look at me as a leader because they look up to me. But sometimes I take time off and just watch what's going on. Be like, Okay. That's uh-huh. what's happening uh-huh. over there. That's what's happening over there. And just kind of like sit back and see, okay, where's Where? this going to go in the next five years? So in, uh-huh. uh, in that respect of like sometimes you sit back and just chill and let everything happen while you just kind of sitting back and just trying to connect the dots and how's this going to fit in this and how's this kind of helps to my work. So even when I did Coke Studio Africa, people were like Coca-Cola was like, wow, how do you get all these artists? I was like, cause I'm always watching them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm always seeing what they to do and what they're doing and being able to know how to penetrate with them and work with them and, so I'm kind of like that's my kind of skill, being able to watch stuff happen or unfold, while I'm like cool. I have a solution for you because I can see what's going on.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. And some of that watching, would you do you use platforms, technology, like different you know websites or socials yeah, for that? Yeah, or- socials. I'm on
1: LinkedIn a lot. I'm checking out what people are doing. I'm on um, a lot of you know a lot of all the global platforms. But now my thing is. Having seen that, I was like, why are we giving all our content to all these other people? Why can't we just own our own content and then be able to control our content? Imagine putting stuff on YouTube and not getting nothing back from YouTube or getting paid, but not necessarily your value of what it could be, you know?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And got that's it, why I went, into, I went into creation of platforms because there's lots of Africans that want to watch their own platforms. They want to watch stuff that's like more recognizing. How can we monetize this so it's not just going to waste? We need to get from that era of like being fascinated by things to now monetizing those things because we have the technology. It's not hard to buy the technology from China or buy it from South Korea, whatever, or build it at home ourselves or Mm -hmm. go in the Asian way where, yes, they'll take in American technology, but they'll be studying, like, how can we make this on our own? How can we make Mm -hmm. our own Facebook? Why do we have to be on an American Facebook? Why wouldn't we have our own Facebook chit chat? They got that chat thing in China. They're like, we don't need Facebook. Yes, as much as right. we like, we can, kind of still communicate and make our own kind of experiences fun, and still have. And we still know that this is going back to building our nation, and Black people own this, and this goes back to our community, and we the taxes go back to our community. It gives more substance to us rather than always relying on on stuff from outside. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, that of course has to do with our colonial past, right? Because we're relying on everything from our colonizers, whereas China said no, and we are our own. And so until we decide that we are absolutely finished with colonialism and it's going, I believe it's going to take another kind of revolution, Yeah, you know, and it's an economic revolution. It may not, I hope it's not violent, but um, I think colonialism is very strong
1: still very strong and that's what to me my pleasure in having all these artists kind of collaborate with each other was just so great seeing because of of course even just in Africa just travel it's easy for you to travel from from like different cities in Europe than to travel within Africa you know so for me just being able to kind of be at the forefront of cross-pollination where I'm you know one of the biggest artists in Nigeria is doing a song with one of the biggest artists in Tanzania and me being in the middle of that and making sure that and making that happen gave me pleasure. Cause like, yo, blaze, I would have never met that guy. I would have, yeah. I would have never thought it would have to be, it would take me like years to put together a budget where I said I'm going to Ghana or I'm going to Nigeria to do this. Being able to jumpstart that conversation is where I'm at. And that's what I've been able to give to the, to the community or the industry as they call it, you know?
0: Okay. So you said you had two. So you said you're a watcher
1: and... And a listener. I also like to listen. You know, I listen to a lot of of old, you know, Thomas Sankara speeches and and Ah. listening to the greats and just, you know, being able to see what it is that, that, you know, some of the challenges that they had to go through. Of course, still fighting the the global colonization evil that's still there and just being able to kind of see how they maneuvered because we're quite... We're in a unique place where every country wants to run the show. Every country, we're in a place where everybody knows, everybody knows, but they don't understand that we're all facing the same enemy, in the, in the same the mm-hmm. same and Pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's so true. That's so true. I'm, I'm on the same wavelength with you because I recently have been um, reading a book called Radical King, and it's a compilation of speeches by Martin Luther King. And I started it when around his birthday. So I'm still working. I read a lot of things at one time. And so the, exactly the things that they go through and the transitions that they went through as people um, dealing with, you know, the entrenchment of the institutions that just kept on like, you know, not wanting to move, but that they persevered. And that's, it's that mentality that I'm trying to understand, because I think that's what's missing amongst us. And until we can figure out, you know, those triggers that really make a um, masses act in a different way, then we're not going to move forward. So, so yeah, let's keep reading, let's keep influencing, let's keep doing what, what we're doing to try and to change. Teacher, yeah. yeah, each one to each one somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Blaze, Buddha Blaze, it's been great meeting you.
1: Thank you. It talking... seems like we the, it seems that hour just went through really fast. Thank you so much for. Listening. I
0: know. You know, I know. I know. So I, know much to I know. talk
1: about, you know, so much to, to unravel and uh, unpackage, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'd love to have you back again. What, what I'm looking, I just, and I just thought of this is that I want to have some more regional conversations about what and how we can uplift the people. So being like, you know, you're progressive. And so when I, I've been Kind of hinting at this with many of my guests is that I want to have some panels where people are actually talking about solutions and really how do we address it locally or regionally where we are. So, looking at what's going on in Kenya, like I have a few guests that are in Kenya who are on different. So, you're in entertainment and business. We have someone who might be in policy and government. So, I hope to invite you back
1: for sure. To nice, talk nice, to, nice to come into who do you got from Kenya?
0: Um, well, I interviewed, which is coming up next, um, Troy. White. Oh, Troy. Yeah.
1: We actually work together for a
0: bit. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. We're and working so,
1: some I, companies, yeah.
0: I will be tapping you actually for some recommendations. If you, you know, once I, you know, solidify what that concept is about, just kind of asking you if you know some people. I have some other friends who are kind of in the development space there. So, just getting a few people together, probably four maximum to just kind of talk and think about like, how do we really move the dial? For
1: sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. 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 Florence, and all the best,
1: and keep doing all the great work, and shining the light on the continent.
0: Yes. 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 So, Buddha, Buddha Blaze, where can where can our listeners find you? And this will all every most of the people he mentioned will be in the show notes, listeners. So have no fear; we always have rich show notes. But where can we find you?
1: You can find me on Buddha Blaze. World Buddha Blaze World. That's on Instagram. Mold is there because that's kind of like where everything kind of is. On Twitter, it ITS Buddha Blaze World. ITS Buddha okay. Blaze on Twitter. Yeah, you know we can interact and you know it's uh, the, these forums are actually created for us to exchange notes and, and keep building. So let's keep building and until the level where we have our own platforms and transition from that to our own platforms and just keep building. Yes, yeah.
0: Indeed, indeed, indeed. All right, listeners, this has been another episode of the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. You can catch us Tuesdays with new episodes at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, bye for now.
1: Peace, peace.